and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Presidential Profiles. I'm your host, Nicole Larson, and this week we will be talking about the life and legacy of Ulysses S. Grant. He was a great war hero in the Civil War, but not much is remembered about his presidency. But first, we will have a quick chat with American Meredith Bratton to gauge what is commonly remembered about President Grant. sitting down with American Meredith Bratton to assess where Ulysses S. Grant lies in the public mind and gauge his legacy in the United States. Thank you so much for joining me, Meredith. And my first question for you is basically, what are the first three words that come to mind when you hear the name Ulysses S. Grant? Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I think the first three words that come to mind are general um army and um war sure so ulysses s grant was president from 1869 to 1877 what comes to mind when you think of that specific time period so it was just following the civil war Um, And I know that he was uh, a general in the Union Army. um, And that was the time of reconstruction. So trying to, um, you know, hold hold the South accountable and try and make a more um, equitable equitable society for um, uh, formerly enslaved people in the South um, before it all kind of fell apart. But that that was when they were trying to do that. Sure. And following up with that, how would you describe Grant as a leader? Do you think he was an effective leader? Um, I would say, you know, I I don't know too much, but um, it seems like it was all from 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 what I know, um, Reconstruction was uh, going well. And I know that there were a lot of um, that there was, you know, a a good amount of progress made in that time, um, I believe. Um, But then following that was when everything kind of fell apart. So from what I know, um, I would say yes. And following that, basically on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst and 10 being the best, where would you place Grant as a president? Oh, gotcha. Um, Like a 6.5 maybe. Okay. Um, What do you remember learning about Grant in school growing up? Um, I remember learning that he was a general in the Union Army and that was, um, you know, and that he was instrumental in uh, the Union Army winning the Civil War and, you know, him being kind of the um, counter to Robert E. Lee. So to wrap it all up, what would you say is the lasting legacy of Ulysses S. Grant in the United States? I would say his his legacy is that of um, winning the Civil War is is the big one. Um, and you know, I kind of picture him as you know post post you know big war the the big wars in America, um, you know. In, in kind of a unifying gesture. I think America, like 
elects uh, generals as president. So Eisenhower after World War II. Um, and like he's regarded as a pretty good, you know, a, a pretty okay president. And that's kind of how I see Grant as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today and giving your insight on former President Ulysses S. Grant. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much again to Meredith for answering my questions today. What I gathered from this short interview is that Grant is mostly remembered as a general rather than a president. The first three words that Meredith said she associates with Grant are general, army, and war. Nothing about his presidency. I'm really looking forward to diving into the life and presidency of Ulysses S. Grant. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. Presidential Profiles is brought to you by Airbnb. The world is large and there's so much to see, but traveling can be expensive, especially with those high hotel costs. Airbnb provides a home away from home with locations all over the globe. With Airbnb, you can choose your own experience. Want a quick getaway or looking for more of a long-term rental? Airbnb has so many different renting options, you're sure to find a location that fits your needs. Airbnb facilitates communication directly with your host. Check the ratings of your host and your home to decide the best place for you. Fit your own budget, time frame, and vacation experience. Go to airbnb.com today to find your next home away from home. Presidential Profiles is brought to you by HelloFresh. Cooking can be time-consuming, complicated, and pricey. HelloFresh is here to fix that problem. In each HelloFresh box, you will find easy-to-follow recipes with clear nutritional info, high-quality ingredients sourced straight from the farm, convenient meal kits that fit perfectly in the fridge, and a fun cooking experience that will make you feel unstoppable. HelloFresh has meal options for any type of diet, vegan, gluten-free, keto, and much more. Whether you're cooking for just yourself or a large family gathering, HelloFresh has meal plans fit for everyone to ensure that no food goes to waste. Boxes are delivered right to your door, so there's no need to worry about shopping. So head over to HelloFresh.com to pick out your meals, secure a delivery date, and get cooking. HelloFresh, take the stress out of mealtime. Hiram Ulysses Grant was born on April 27, 1822, in Point Pleasant, Ohio, to Jesse Root Grant, who worked as a merchant, and Hannah Simpson Grant. A year after his birth, the family relocated to Georgetown, Ohio, where Jesse and Hannah had five more children. Ulysses received a formal education at Maysville Seminary and later attended John Rankin's Academy. Jesse Grant was a fervent abolitionist, but Grant was largely apolitical before the Civil War. He wrote, quote, If I ever had any political sympathies, they would have been with the Whigs. I was raised in that school. End quote. Grant later attended the United States Military Academy at West Point, which, as we remember from the Thomas Jefferson episode, was established by the third president. Funnily, Grant's name was submitted to the university as U.S. Grant instead of his first full name, so his nickname became Sam, as U.S. also stood for Uncle Sam. The S as his middle name stuck, but never actually stood for anything. So, in 1839, Grant became a cadet at the National Academy. Grant initially desired to leave the Academy. It was his father's idea for him to attend anyway, but he quickly became accustomed to the military lifestyle and developed a growing interest in the horses at the school. He even set an equestrian high jump record that stood for about 25 years. 
While at the school, he also studied art and painting, creating about nine surviving artworks. Grant did dislike, however, the Sunday church requirement at West Point, as he was never really religious. Grant graduated from West Point in 1843 and was promoted to the rank of Brevent Second Lieutenant. Grant had planned to work for just the four-year required term of duty, as he looked forward to a teaching career instead. In 1844, Grant met the woman who would become his wife, Julia Dent, while visiting his friend from the Academy in Missouri. In 1848, they got married in St. Louis, but neither of Ulysses' parents attended the wedding, as they both disapproved of the Dent family owning slaves. Julia and Ulysses had four children, Frederick, Ulysses Jr., who was called Buck, Ellen, who was called Nellie, and Jesse. Grant decided to stay in the army as he now had a family to support. During the Mexican-American War, Grant distinguished himself as a great soldier, fighting on the front lines in multiple battles, and was promoted to the rank of captain. Then, in 1848, Mexico seceded a vast territory, including California, to the U.S., but Grant was actually opposed to the Mexican-American War, stating that it was morally unjust and that the territorial gains were designed to expand slavery. He said, quote, I was bitterly opposed to the measure and to this day regard the war which resulted as one of the most unjust ever waged by a stronger against a weaker nation, end quote. He later said that the Civil War was divine punishment on the U.S. for its aggression in Mexico. After the war with the discovery of gold in California, Grant and the 4th Infantry were sent there to protect the gold property. Grant led soldiers and some civilians from New York City to Panama, then north to California. While in Panama, a cholera outbreak affected many of Grant's travelers, both soldiers and civilians. Grant then established and organized a field hospital in Panama City. And when nurses feared having to tend to those with cholera, Grant did much of the nursing himself. In 1853, Grant was then assigned to the command of Company F at Fort Humboldt in California. It was at Fort Humboldt that Grant developed a drinking problem. Lieutenant Colonel Buchanan told Grant to get his act together or else he would have to resign from his position. As a result, Grant resigned and returned to St. Louis to be with his family. His return to St. Louis resulted in about seven years of financial struggles and poverty. Grant took up farming and for about four years used one of Julia's slaves, Dan, but the farm was not successful and Grant turned to selling firewood in St. Louis street corners. In 1856, Grant moved his family to some land on Julia's father's farm. They lived in a small, dilapidated cabin and had little money, clothes, or furniture. Grant even pawned his gold watch to buy Christmas gifts for his family one year. In the fall of 1858, Grant gave up farming and that same year was given a slave from Julia's father named William Jones. Grant was not an abolitionist like his father, but he couldn't bring himself to force a slave to do work and the next year freed William. Grant tried to work in real estate as a bill collector, but again, did not find long lasting employment. In 1860, Grant moved his family again, this time to Galena, Illinois, and took a job in his father's leather goods business. In the 1860 election, Grant favored Democrat Stephen A. Douglas over Republican Abraham Lincoln, as he feared that Lincoln's election would lead to the secession of the South, a fear that, of course, was realized. Grant was torn between his increasingly anti-slavery views 
and the fact that Julia remained a staunch Democrat. On April 12, 1861, the Civil War began, and Grant was quick to attend a mass meeting to encourage troop recruitment for the Northern forces. Grant himself was ready to get involved, but faced rejection because of his previous resignation from military service out in California due to his drinking problem. But Grant was soon appointed military aide to Governor Richard Yates and helped to recruit regiments into the Illinois militia. Grant was quickly promoted to colonel and put in charge of the 21st Illinois Volunteer Infantry Regiment that was getting a reputation to be quite unruly. But Grant whipped the regiment into shape and they were transferred to Missouri to drive out Confederate forces. Grant was then promoted to the commander of the District of Southeastern Missouri. Grant led many Union battles, both wins and losses. After Lincoln's preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, Grant had former slaves incorporated into the Union Army, supplying them with shelter, clothes, and wages. Grant instituted a program in which contraband freed slaves from the South would be compensated to pick cotton that would be shipped North to aid the Union war effort. Grant also worked with freed Black laborers on the Bypass Canal, incorporating them into the Union Army and Navy. Grant also issued the controversial General Order 11 that expelled Jewish people from the Union Army Military District, but rescinded the order about three weeks later. In 1864, Grant received his greatest promotion yet from President Lincoln, that of Lieutenant General, which gave him command of all Union armies, a rank that had only previously been held by George Washington. Lincoln allowed Grant to devise his own strategies now, on April 9, 1865, Generals Ulysses S. Grant of the Union Army and Robert E. Lee of the Confederate Army met at Appomattox Courthouse, where the South surrendered to the North. Grant states that the Southern cause was, quote, one of the worst for which a people ever fought, end quote. The terms of surrender granted amnesty for Southern soldiers to be allowed to return home as long as they observed the laws enforced. Grant ordered his troops to stop all celebrating, saying, quote, the war is over, the rebels are our countrymen again, end quote. As we learned in the Lincoln episode, it wasn't long after the war had ended that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated at Ford's theater. Grant was actually supposed to be sitting next to Lincoln in the theater box. He was invited, but his wife Julia asked that they not attend as they had travel plans to go to Philadelphia. At Lincoln's funeral, Grant wept openly and later said, quote, Lincoln was the greatest man I had ever known, end quote. Vice President Andrew Johnson was sworn in and Grant was determined to keep working with the president. Grant remained commander of the army and worked to enforce the reconstruction efforts in the South. When Robert E. Lee was going to be indicted for treason in Virginia, Grant insisted that he not be tried per their treaty at Appomattox. In 1866, Grant was promoted to the new rank of General of the Army of the United States. Grant was not confident that the South was ready for self-rule and preferred that the African Americans in the South had more federal government protection. Although Grant desired former Confederate state leaders to return to Congress, he also advocated for eventual African American citizenship. While Grant was initially optimistic about a working relationship with Johnson, it became clear that the two's differing political beliefs would prevent any sort of compromise. 
1867, Congress had to pass the Command of the Army Act, preventing Johnson from removing Grant and forcing the president to pass militaristic orders through Grant. But when Johnson violated the Tenure of Office Act by removing Secretary of War Edin Stanton without congressional approval, he became the first U.S. president to be impeached. However, his removal from office was saved by just one vote. Grant was nominated to be the Republican candidate for the 1868 election and was accompanied by Speaker of the House Schuyler Colfax as his running mate. Keep in mind that Grant had never previously held any political office or had any political education. He simply distinguished himself as a great leader in the war. The Democrats abandoned Johnson and nominated former governor of New York, Horatio Seymour, as their candidate. Grant ran on a platform of equal civil and political rights to all and supported African-American enfranchisement as well as amnesty from all past political offenses for Confederate officials. While campaigning, Grant's anti-Semitic General Order 11 was brought up, but he claims to have regretted the action and stated, quote, I have no prejudice against any sect or race, but want each individual to be judged by his own merit, end quote. Then in November of 1868, Grant was elected president at the age of 49, making him the youngest president elected yet. Grant sought to work as a unifying president. He advocated for the ratification of the 15th Amendment that granted the right to vote to all men, regardless of race. He also signed into law the right for African Americans to serve on juries and hold office in Washington, D.C., and supported an Equal Rights Amendment. He also appointed more than 50 Jewish people to federal offices, including district attorneys and deputy postmasters, feeling bad for his infamous General Order 11. He even appointed Edward Salomon, a Jewish man, to the spot of territorial governor of Washington, making him the first Jewish man to hold the role of governor. Grant also called for the removal or reduction of religion from schools, declaring that funding for any religious sect or denomination in schools would be prohibited. In his words, quote, schools would be for all children, irrespective of sex, color, birthplace, or religions, end quote. Grant was tasked with taking up reconstruction efforts in the South. In 1870, Grant created the Justice Department that allowed the Attorney General to prosecute the Ku Klux Klan, a group of violent white supremacists who regularly attacked and killed African Americans, and overall hindered Reconstruction efforts. Grant also passed a series of enforcement acts that would protect African Americans and Reconstruction governments in the South. Grant even suspended habeas corpus in part of South Carolina to send federal troops to initiate prosecutions of the Klan. And Grant then won his re-election campaign in 1872. Also during the Civil War, the Treasury issued banknotes called greenbacks that caused major inflation. So Grant signed the Public Credit Act of 1869 in an attempt to return the country to the gold standard within about 10 years. But Grant could not stop the ensuing panic of 1873 that saw the suspension of the New York Stock Exchange and the bankruptcy of many of the country's railroads. Unfortunately, Grant's presidency was also characterized by large-scale corruption. There were over 40 cases of nepotism with family members, not of Grant, but of his top officials, benefiting from government appointments and employment. And the first major scandal to hit the Grant administration was called Black Friday, or the Gold Panic, 
when in 1869, two financiers cornered the gold market with blatant disregard to the nation's economy. The two financiers got Grant's cousin, Abel Corbin, involved in the scheme as a way to get access to Grant and even stopped Grant on a ship once to urge him not to sell any gold from the treasury, simply to drive the value of their gold higher. The price of gold quickly jumped from $37 to $141. Then on so-called Black Friday, which was September 23rd, 1869, when the price of gold was at about $160 an ounce, in one day, Grant Secretary of the Treasury released $4 million worth of gold into the market, which resulted in the crash of the gold market and many investors were financially ruined. The gold panic devastated the U.S. economy for months. Stock prices plunged and the price of wheat and corn dropped severely, having detrimental effects on farmers. Then in 1875, Interior Secretary Columbus Delano brought corruption into the U.S. Department of the Interior. He allowed profiteering in the department and gave expensive cardiographical contracts to his son, John Delano, and Ulysses Grant's brother, Orville Grant, neither of whom were qualified in these positions and neither of whom even performed any work. Similar actions took place in the U.S. Department of Justice when General George H. Williams took bribes in exchange for declining to prosecute trial cases. Williams once dropped a case after his wife received a $30,000 payoff, and Williams also used Justice Department funds to pay for his personal carriage and house expenses. The most infamous scandal to affect the Grant administration was the Whiskey Ring of 1875. Whiskey distillers had been evading taxes for years and bribed Treasury Department agents who helped the distillers evade taxes up to $2 million per year. The agents would not collect the required tax of 70 cents per gallon, then would split the illegal gains with the distillers. With Grant's endorsement, Treasury Secretary Benjamin Bristow went after the whiskey ring, seized distillers, made hundreds of arrests, and broke up the ring. Grant himself was never really involved in corruption, nepotism, or wrongdoing. Rather, he lacked the political experience to be able to choose qualified candidates for cabinet positions and lacked the knowledge to be able to spot wrongdoings within his own administration. With a country to repair, Grant did not focus too hard on foreign affairs, and as it was a time of relative global peace with no major wars affecting the U.S., there wasn't much that Grant was missing. There was a short time in which Grant had aspirations to annex Santo Domingo, now called the Dominican Republic, in the Caribbean, but his proposal was shot down in the Senate. Grant also secured a free trade treaty with the Kingdom of Hawaii in 1875, mostly to tap into their sugar industry. In the election of 1876, Republican Rutherford B. Hayes beat Democrat Samuel J. Tilden, and in the next year, Hayes signed the Compromise of 1877, removing all remaining northern troops from the south, putting an end to Reconstruction. After leaving the White House, Grant said he was, quote, never so happy in my life. End quote. After leaving his job as president, Grant decided to take his wife on a trip around the world that ended up lasting over two and a half years. They visited Europe, Africa, India, the Middle East, and met with people like Queen Victoria, Pope Leo, Emperor Meiji, and other notable world leaders. Grant was even the first U.S. president to visit Jerusalem and the Holy Land. It was this tour of the world that kept Grant popular in the public eye, and in 1880, there were many trying to push him back onto the presidential ballot. 
but at this point it was simply president said by George Washington that the president was only to hold office for two terms. It wasn't until the 22nd Amendment was implemented in 1947, after Franklin Roosevelt had won four elections, that the two-term rule was implemented. But Grant did not receive a majority vote to gain the Republican nomination. Instead, James A. Garfield got the nomination and would go on to serve as president until his assassination in 1881. In 1884, Grant was diagnosed with throat cancer, and after his diagnosis became public, Congress honored Grant by restoring him to the rank of General of the Army so that he could receive full retirement pay. When Grant assumed the presidency in 1869, he was forced to forfeit his pension from his time as general, but Congress chose to honor his work and knew of his financial issues that arose after his two-and-a-half-year vacation. Grant, fearing leaving his wife with debt, accepted his friend Mark Twain's offer to write his memoirs that would pay Grant with an astonishing 70% royalty. Grant died only a few days after finishing his memoir on July 23, 1885, at the age of 63. When he died, President Grover Cleveland ordered a 30-day nationwide period of mourning, and over 1.5 million people attended his funeral in New York City, with services also taking place in other cities around the nation. Grant and Julia now lay together in the largest mausoleum in the U.S., and you can see his face on the $50 bill. So Grant is mostly remembered for his work as a war general, as evidenced by my chat with Meredith at the top of the episode, but his lack of experience and political education resulted in unfortunate widespread corruption by his administration while president. Grant once said, quote, it was my fortune or misfortune to be called to the office of the chief executive without any previous political training, end quote. At least he was self-aware. Grant was a great advocate for African-American enfranchisement and the prosecution of the KKK. He also fought for unity between the North and the South, implementing repercussions for the newly readmitted South while also attempting not to make any more Southern enemies. I would like to end with one of my favorite quotes from Grant. Quote, anything is better than indecision. If I am wrong, we shall soon find out and can do the other thing. But not to decide wastes both time and money and may ruin everything. End quote. This was definitely the mentality of this past U.S. president. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode to learn about Ulysses S. Grant. A special thank you to intern Meredith for reading our advertisements today, and a double thank you to her for letting me ask her a few questions about Grant. Next, we will be discussing the life and legacy of our very first president, George Washington.